Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning, church. Good to see everybody. I'm so excited about some of the things going on here. Uh, Vineyard 101, our kind of entryway into the vineyard. We had 20 new members join the church last week. Uh, Yeah, that's so exciting. Welcome. And now as uh, Richard, I love the way Richard says vineyard. It sounds so proper, doesn't it? Maybe instead of the vineyard, it's like vineyard, yes. But now we have our 201 too that looks for six weeks. We look at an in-depth look at our values and uh, we'd encourage you to sign up. And then our middle school and high schoolers are starting their midweek service this week uh, on Thursday night. And uh, man, there's so many good things going on. I saw a, an interesting graph this week when I was studying. Uh, yeah, look at this graph, the circle of influence. Can you see the X and the Y? You guys remember your school, the X, the Y. X, right, left to right, Y to the sky, right? So you remember how it goes. And so, yeah, you see this? The more conversations you have, the higher the trust value builds. Well, except for one guy. Everybody has that one guy in their life. It's like two, you know, I've had 250 conversations with you, and you're still at an eight. You still don't trust me. You know, I don't know what this is about. But normally, you know, everybody, the more conversations that you have with people, the deeper the trust level goes. And I, I found that fascinating. Today we're beginning a new series, as the bumper video said, in Why My Life Matters. And today we're going to take a look at why our lives matter to our families and friends. Uh, you have a fill-in in your handout if you want to take that out with your pen and, and follow along. That would be really good. And before we jump into this, though, I want to pray, and uh, I'm excited about this series uh, because I really do believe your life matters. I believe that God probably has a lot more in store for you and your influence than you have maybe imagined, and so uh, let's pray about that. Father, I do pray now that you would awaken us uh, through this period of time over the next few weeks to end this morning as we look at the amount of influence you have given us. I need your help today, Lord. I ask for your gift of teaching. I ask that you help me deliver your word, that you would breathe a fresh fresh life on your word, that, Holy Spirit, you are the presence of God. And we have already sensed you as we worshiped and as we celebrated communion. But now I ask for you to come and fall upon us and be the teacher that you said you would be, that you would come and teach us all things. And so, Holy Spirit, we open our hearts to you, to your word. Breathe life on it. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be able to read two short verses, actually, over in Romans 16, if you want to turn over there. And let me set this up by saying that Romans is a letter, of course, to some Roman Christians. Christians uh, there in Rome, Paul had not made his way there yet. He wanted to get there. He wanted to talk to them. So he sends this letter. At the end of this beautiful letter, 
uh, the 16th chapter, he goes through a litany, a list of people that he really appreciates, and he points out uh, some of their names. Uh, and, and I found it very interesting that in like Romans 16:10, the latter part of that verse, he says, "Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus, the household, the whole household." And then in verse 13. He says, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. He must have meant a lot, huh, to Paul. Chosen in the Lord and his mother, who has been a mother to me. I mean, wonder what this woman was like for Paul to say, Rufus, you know, I really appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing and who you are, but also your mom. Not only has she been a great mom to you, but she's been a great mom to me. And I think we need to add, though I may not say this throughout the sermon, friends to this, because some of us find ourselves in life where our friends, the circle of friends that we have, ends up being our family. Get a little feedback up here. And, um, and so you, you can insert friends in that, your close circle of friends. And because they, many times in life when you look around that's who's closest to you those people who have been faithful to you and loyal to you in your life and so this would also mean uh, your friends so in your fill-in your first one is simply this realize that your family is larger than you think your family is larger than you think here is Paul saying to Rufus I'm a part of your family Rufus matter of fact your mom is like a mom to me how many of you have uh, people who kind of hang around the house and just seem to show up? Uh, I mean, they just show up. I mean, I know this happens maybe more often if, when you have little kids or teenagers or something and, and people just show up at the house. But it also happens later in life as you have friends and neighbors that know you. But, but just think about it for a few minutes. Don't you have more than your immediate family showing up every now and then? Take an inventory and think about it. Oh, man, I never noticed that person shows up at least once a week. Or maybe friends of your kids, if you still have kids at home, they show up with the kids. They hang out at your house. And your influence as, as a family, you know, is much, it's much larger. Your family is much larger, just like Rufus' mom had Paul as a son of sorts. Greet those. You know, tell your mom hi. And uh, taking an inventory and looking at the names of who, is, uh, who hangs out is, is really kind of a neat thing. I took my journal down one time. This has been years ago. I probably should do it again. And I just wrote the name of every person that I come in contact with during a week. This seems to be a recurring thing. Certain people that you just... And if you'll set aside just a minute or two to think about it, you will be amazed at how there are, there's a recurring theme. There are people that just show up. And as Christ followers, those of us who follow Jesus, we're like, why would God allow these people to keep showing up in our lives? Well, your family, your family's a lot larger than you think it is. Maybe you don't have any kids. Maybe you have a lot of kids. Either way, maybe, you don't, maybe you're single. Your family is still much larger than you realize. I uh, had... A band teacher, if you've been in this church some sometime, you've heard me mention him, but I was like 
I really was like a son to him. And if he wasn't from the age of seven until I was 19, I was always welcome at his house. I'd go by after school. I could go by the house. We could hang out. If we, the band played at a football game or something, we'd all go back to his house. And this is from the age of maybe around nine years old, right on up to I graduated high school. We would go back to his house. He would get his wife out of bed. He'd say, you know, get up. We got, we got company. And he'd bring all a few of his kids in, get the hamburgers out of the freezer at 11 o'clock at night, cook up the hamburgers. Then he would drag us all to the television set where he would put on Doc Severson when The Tonight Show came on and said, now, Timmy, I want you to watch that trumpet player because that's a trumpet player. And then he would sit there and point out to me what a great musician he was and why he was a great musician. But that wasn't all that uh, Mr. Miller did in my life. There was a time in my life when I was not doing well <laughs> in high school, not well at all. And, uh, and he grabbed me one day, shoved me up against the wall, and told me to get my act together. Or I don't know what he was going to do, bust me in the chops or what. <laughs> but he just, he pulled me aside and said, I've heard some things about you. Don't mess up your life like a dad would to me. Your family is a lot larger then you realize there are those looking at you, looking to you, who listen to you, watch you, that you have influence on, that you have no idea. The statistics are that all of us, on an average, are influencing at least 150 people at any time. 150 people. That's on average. That's a sizable influence, I think. People around you, people you know, people that drop by, those are recurring people too. Those aren't strangers. Those are people in that circle around your life. And because your life is larger, your second feeling is this, your family's influence is broader than you think. It reaches out beyond just your home, just uh, your business, just what you do with your family, that influence is extended out, way out. Uh, just like Mr. Miller's was in my life, extended to actually my brothers as well. Both of my brothers were heavily influenced by this same band instructor. He meant a lot to our lives. Uh, over in Acts 10, there's a story, and we've read it many times, of a Roman soldier named Cornelius. And this, this Roman soldier was well thought of. So much so that uh, he has a large contingency of people around him. And the Greek word, not that you care about it, but it, like oikos is the word. And it means that extended area of influence that reaches out. And in the New Testament, when you would read family, it didn't mean just mom and dad and the kids. It meant mom, dad, grandma, grandma. If the kids were married, their families, everybody in the family, as well as people who maybe served in the household it even meant those you had influence with that maybe owed you money or a favor. In other words, you could say, I'm having a meeting at my house tonight. You owe me. Be there. <laughs> that was the family structure and the circle of influence in the New Testament. And so Cornelius is a good man. God is dealing with him. Uh, he knows, I mean, Cornelius knows that his heart has not been, uh, let's say, it's, it's still... He feels empty. Even though he's a good man, he gives to the poor. He's kind-hearted. He has a great reputation in the community. He knows there's something missing. So he hears about this guy, Peter, that, that's been preaching this Messiah, Jesus. So 
he has this vision, this angel, you know, tells him you need to go get him to come and talk to you. So Cornelius sends two of his house workers and a, and a very favorite soldier to make sure they get there safely. And he goes and he gets Peter and he says, look, my master wants you to come back. Cornelius, he's a good man. He wants to talk to you. And, of course, Peter, if you know the story, Acts is a really good book for you to read. It's, it won't take you that long. 28 chapters, quick. It's like a novel. Just read it sometimes. But God had already dealt with Peter about him you know, not looking at Gentiles in a bad way and dissing them that God was opening the doors to the kingdom to everyone. And so Peter goes back with Cornelius. He gets back to the house and listen to this in uh, Acts 10, 24. The following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. That's the whole big family. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him, fell at his feet in reverence. I love this. But Peter made him get up. Stand up. I'm only a man like you. Don't worship me. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering, oikos, that big gathering of family. That bigger influence that the family had had all come together in Cornelius' house. And so what happens? Peter preaches the gospel to this family. And who knows how many people were in that. But he exercised his influence by bringing them to his house. And then when we get down to verse 44, it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on Cornelius? On all. On all who heard the message. The Holy Spirit came on the whole group. The extended family. All of them that knew Cornelius and were a part of that broader influence. And the Holy Spirit filled them up and they began to speak in tongues and praise God. It was a phenomenal moment. Your influence, your family is larger and therefore your influence is broader than you even realize. This is, we can read about it over and over again in the book of Acts. There's a lady named Lydia in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. Paul and his friends had gone down to the river, river on the Sabbath to pray. Find a place alone just to pray. And there's a business lady who owns a dyeing business. She dyes cloths and sells them. And so she and, her, and the people that work with her are there evidently working and dyeing you know, their cloths. They're at work. And, uh, and Paul sees them. And Lydia's a good woman like Cornelius. And they begin to talk. And Paul shares the gospel with Lydia. They're on the banks of the river. And in Acts 16, 15, it says, When she and the members of her household were baptized, they were all down there working, the whole family, she invited us to her home. And that's where the whole extended family came back to her home as well. And you know what came out of that? The Philippian church. That's how that church was started, from that business lady Lydia, with her influence, her broader influence, the church started in her home in Philippi. That's where it started, because of her influence. Remember the story of Paul and Silas? They cast out some demons and got in trouble, and so they got beat and scourged and thrown in jail over in Acts 16. They're, they're sitting in jail. What are they doing? Singing worship songs. <laughs> I mean, they got their backs beat for the gospel, and we're like, oh, this is awesome. You know, it hurts, but 
you know, to take this abuse for the sake of the gospel. And they're worshiping God, and suddenly an earthquake comes along, rattles the jail doors, and the doors open up. It skews the doors so that they open. And when the doors open up, the jailer who is responsible for all of the prisoners freaks out because he thinks, they're going to kill me. My bosses are going to kill me because all the prisoners are going to, they're going to leave. And so he gets ready to, to, to kill himself, probably draw his sword and fall on it. And he hears a voice in the back of the jail, and it's Paul. He says, hey, we're still here. We haven't left. We're still back here. And so the jailer goes back to them, and I get him, we don't get all the dialogue, but I can imagine part of the dialogue, him going, why didn't you guys leave? Why didn't you leave? And so Paul and Silas share the gospel with him, and then in Acts 16, 31, Paul says, believe in, he's telling the jailer this, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household, oikos, the broader family, all of it. Everybody that hangs out with you, that considers you their family, their home, their hangout, all of you will be saved. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. His whole household. Your influence is much greater than you realize. Crispus, one of the synagogue uppity-ups, you know, church... Uppity up, dude, gets to know, comes to know Jesus in Acts 18, 18. And it says, Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord. Entire household. Maybe we need to think in broader terms. A lot of times we think, if I just want to share with this one person, or my life is speaking to this one person, what if your life is speaking to 150 people at any time? At any time. During the day, at any moment during the day, your life is speaking because your family is much broader than you think. 150. Another statistic is that in your lifetime, you will influence, get this, 10,000 people. That's the average. In your lifetime, you will have an effect on a minimally 10,000 people. Now, if you've got a family of five like we did, that's 50,000 people. Our family is going to at least touch in some way. But think about the extended family. What if you add another 145 to that? Now, anybody want to do the math? Does anybody do math anymore without a calculator? <laughs> no, you don't, right? It's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. That's a lot of people. And that is a lot of influence. Don't sell yourself short. Don't think you don't have any influence because you do. From as young as you are to as old as you may think you are. And we keep looking for the mission. We keep going, God, give me a mission. Show me a mission. And all the time, we are on mission. <laughs> we are already on it. We have this arena of influence around us. And we keep wondering, when is God going to use me? I just don't know. I don't know why he just he doesn't he doesn't like me. You know, I got no talent, I got nothing. And I got 150 people and 10,000 more that in some way I will touch or have some influence on in my life. Don't you for a minute think you don't matter. That is an absolute lie. 
It's a desperate lie of the devil to try to pull you away from what God wants to do in your life. Your influence is the most valuable thing you have to give. And you're giving it whether you know it or not. Whether you're intentional with it or not, you're giving it. Thirdly, Rufus's mom was a mom to him and Paul did not to Paul and Paul didn't forget. Your third one fill in is your family will never forget your contribution. Now, I know they may act like they forgot your contribution. <laughs> well, you see, that's, that's the beauty of free will, isn't it? I mean, but let me tell you, they will never forget it. That does, they may not act on it. They may not respond to it. But they will never get away from it. It's here and it's in here. How you treat them and, and what you impart to them will always be with them. And like I said, Paul didn't forget Rufus's mom. And, you know, and I know this too. I know that we, every one of us, have messed up in our family. Okay, there's some of us in here today carries a heavy burden. The minute I mention family, and uh, you, you just immediately go, oh man, what did I choose this Sunday to go to church? You know, I, 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 it really breaks my heart because my family breaks my heart. Maybe for your own failures or because you grew up in a family uh, that failed you. But let me tell you something, dear church, why would God let you be here this morning if not for you to start a brand new beginning today with the influence that you have? You have right now. That's what you have. You still have the influence. You still have the power to affect lives. It's in there. And we all have messed up. And we go to Jesus in, our, in his grace and we go, Lord, can you really give, cleanse my conscience? Can you really purify my heart? And you know what? He can and he will do that for you. And you know what else he will do? He won't leave you like that. He will fill you with this Holy Spirit that Cornelius got in his whole extended family got. And then he is going to go to work on you so you won't mess it up like you did in the past. Because he doesn't want you using your influence like that. But he knows we're human. And so we begin the journey. We begin today. We start right now. When we finish up in, in just a few moments and we pray, this is all we have. We have today and whatever God gives us from this point on. That was then. This is now. The power of God is here to cleanse, to forgive celebrate that and then go, okay, Lord, I want, to be, I want to live a holy and righteous life. You will not leave me the way I was. Now teach me to be a good dad, a good mom, a granddad, a grandmom, a friend, a good son, a daughter. Teach me, Lord. I want to redeem the time. I want to buy it back. And with your help, Lord, I will use my influence to do that with your help. That's the glory of the day. That's the glory of Jesus and new beginnings in Christ is we have today. We have today. Your family will never, never forget, ever. They make dumb choices. They can go their own way. And there's examples in the Old Testament of kings that were, you know, sons of a king that was good. And then they had a son that was the next king that was bad. And then the bad king had a good king. And then the good king had a bad king. <laughs> You know, it was like they had to make their own choices. 
But you can make one today to take and buy back the time you have and the influence you have. Now, what matters to our families? Your next feeling is this. Your time matters to your family. Your time matters to your family. Your time matters. And I want to tell you a pet peeve I have. There is no such thing as quality time. Let's just do away with it. Because here's what we do. Well, you know, I've just been waiting on getting that quality time. No, you're just waiting. You're just waiting. Well, I haven't been able to get that quality time, and I want to be able to spend quality time. And so until I can spend quality time, I'm just going to wait and try to carve out some quality time. No, you're waiting. Why don't you invite them into your time? Why don't you bring them along into your times? Bring them along. Don't wait for quality time. I know what you mean by that. I understand that. But we do more waiting than we do quality time. Why not even ask them to stand at the grill with you? I know, Dad, I know you are absolutely obsessive, compulsive about the way you grill. But let little Bobby come up there and do something, you know. Let him stand with you. Let him scrape the grill off afterward. That's a good job. And let him do, you know, let him do that one. If, if you have a business and you travel a little bit and you're up and down the Grand Strand, why not put your son, your daughter in the car with you and let him travel with you to appointments? Let them see their mom, their dad working, how they treat people. Include them in that. You may not be having wonderful, awesome, quality teaching, instructional time with your kid, but I'll tell you what, your child is going to listen and watch everything and they will remember that. They will remember it. I can remember times when my dad, just watching him work as a little kid and watching how he cared about detail and, and, and when he talked with people and designed homes and buildings and watching him and how he was so good with people, letting people have their view and letting people say dumb things about how to build houses when he knew how to do it. And, and you know, but letting them, giving them room and giving them room to say, why can't I put a, a board out 40 feet out that has nothing to support it? Why can't I do that? You know, and things like, and my dad be so kind. And he never talked to me about it. And he never said, now, Timmy, watch this. One, two, three. No, I was just there listening and watching. Or you put me in the truck and take me on the job with him. Include those that you love that are in your family with you. And that's their extended family too, whoever that is. Let them be a part of your time. What's some ideas quick like? What's some ideas you have about including those in your time? Grocery shopping. Absolutely. Great. Cooking together. Walk on the beach. Surfing, boating, paddleboarding, like the water sports. Here we go. Pardon? Paying bills. You know what? That is awesome. That is absolutely awesome because I wish I had got some instruction and just watched how that was done. I had to learn the hard way. <laughs> Praying together. He's great. What else? Going to church together. Washing the, together. Washing the car. Watching football. I was waiting on that one because I knew it was coming. 
It was, it was earlier in the first service. So. Yeah, all of these are great. You see, just make time by including them in your time. Let them be a part of your life. And to my older friends, those of us who are getting older, or maybe you're approaching retirement or you have retired, uh, you know, you have a lot of time. How wonderful. Maybe you have a lot of time. Don't misunderstand. I know some of you are working three jobs now just to try to keep things going. But I'm talking about if you've got to a place in your life where you have a lot more of time on your hands, that is a commodity. That is something you can spend for the kingdom. Don't seclude include people don't seclude yourself when you get older why would god give you this wonderful thing called more time if he didn't want you to spend it and use it for the sake of the kingdom there are so many young couples and young people and others and lonely older people who want a friend who needs somebody in their life why not look around and see who happens to cross paths with you often and go wow i wonder why god lets them pass you know we see them all the time at church. We talk, but we don't know them. Or we see them at the grocery store. Why not invite them into your life? Make them a part of it. Don't, you know, retire. Get back into it. Don't quit. Recommit. That's why we have, you know, you have the time. I don't have it, but you have the time if you've got it. You know, if you've got it, spend it. Spend it for the kingdom. Man, let's use what we have. God has given it to us. And of course, with that comes your attention. The next villain is your attention matters to your family. Your time matters and your attention matters. How do you know if someone's paying attention to you? Looking in the eye. Yeah, eye contact. What else? Responding to what they say. What else? Body language. Yeah. Oh, the phone, that's right. Yeah, go ahead. Tell you. Oh, man, that's rough. Oh, wow. Mm. Sorry to hear that. Ooh, yeah. I feel your pain, yeah. <laughs> what else? That's on my list. <laughs> Not talking all the time. That's right. Not interrupting. Letting someone... Finish their thought. Isn't that a great gift? When you simply wait and you let someone have their say. That is an, an amazing gift of influence that you can give someone. Don't interrupt. And here's a big one. Don't have to have the last word. Ooh, ouch. Because letting someone else have the last word makes it possible for you to have the next word with them. Do you get this? They will want to talk with you again. They'll want to be with you again. Because you honored that time and you gave them something very valuable. Your attention matters. And lastly, your faith matters to your family. To your immediate and your extended family, that family of influence, your faith matters. In Second Timothy, Paul is talking to his young church planting, soon-to-be church leader, and he says, your mom and your grandmom have done a good job in your life, Timothy. They had taught him 
some foundational truths about God that set the young man Timothy in a place that where Paul came along, he was ready to be trained, ready to be discipled. See, you don't know who or what God is going to do with who you're sharing your time with and who you pour out your faith with and who you share with about Jesus. And, and when they ask you, they said, well, you've been through some rough times. How did you make it? And you go, it was tough. It's very tough. It was, it was painful, but somehow God kept me. Somehow God kept me close to him, and somehow he's still here with me. And they go, well, how did I get a relationship like that? How? And you're able to share with them what it's like to stick to Jesus and Jesus to stick so close to you in those brutal times of reality in life that are sure to come. Your faith means everything to others. You have an influence to share. You don't know what's going to happen when you share your faith with others or you just live your Christian life like we prayed earlier, living our Christian life out before people. And they see that God is doing something in us. I mean... In the book of Acts, there, there's a guy named Philip, right? Remember, we've talked about him walking up to the chariot with the Ethiopian guy. And remember him sharing, he heard him reading Isaiah. And he said, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy said, how can I understand if somebody doesn't explain it? And Philip said, hey, let me explain it. You know, so he jumps up, points out that those messianic passages were pointing to Jesus. That all of Isaiah was talking about Jesus coming and that he's come now. And so the Ethiopian, he comes to know Jesus, and he wants to get baptized, and so Philip baptizes him. Philip goes, and he casts demons out of people. Uh, he's just this guy that's on fire for God. Well, as you read over in, in Acts 21, we find out Philip had four virgin daughters who prophesied. Now, do you think Philip coming home with those stories had anything to do with his daughters hungering for God and ending up prophesying for God? Can you imagine they're little, they're coming home, and Philip comes home and goes, man, you wouldn't believe what happened to me today. There was this big guy, real wealthy guy, in this from some country in North Africa. He was in this chariot, and I heard him reading the scripture, and so I went over, and gosh, it's a great story, and the little girls are listening to the stories and listening. And then later on in Acts, we find out he's got four prophetic daughters. Amazing. Like I said, when your kids watch you walk through the difficult times, that does something for them. Is they watch how you handle that. And even when you blow it, being able to say, you know, I blew that, honey. <laughs> I blew it. That's not the way God would have had me to handle this, and I want you to know that. But you know what? I went back to God. God's working with me on this, and I'm, I'm going to navigate these waters better next time. Would you help me? Would you help me? Would you pray for me? Would you pray for your dad? Would you pray for your mom? There's no telling what will happen with that kind of influence in people's lives. We have today. Today, that's what we have. We started this this morning talking about Rufus and his mom and how Paul considered her his mom. There's a tradition in the, in the, the early church, and we don't know if this is true or not, that Rufus may have been a brother of Alexander and that actually he may have ended up being a bishop of two or three different cities. But Alexander was the son of a guy named Simon of Cyrene. Does anybody remember that name? The guy that carried the cross for Jesus. Now what if, just saying, what if this is, and Rufus is actually his son, and that was Simon's wife that, we're, that Paul is talking about. Think about that. Do you think Simon coming home that day, 
with his family, with the blood of Jesus on him, and he comes home to his family, and he says, let me tell you this story. I got drafted to carry a cross today for somebody that was a lot different than the other ones I've seen crucified. Could that have been Rufus' dad? We don't know. We don't know. You may feel like your life is insignificant. If you look at the earth, look at these drawings. Look at the earth. looks kind of insignificant, doesn't it? I think it's pretty significant. I mean, don't you think the earth is significant? I mean, it's small. But boy, does it carry a lot of weight in our lives. Boy, does it influence us. Saul Bellow, I love this saying, said, Everybody needs his memories. They keep the wolf of insignificance from the door. So we have today to go out and make our memories. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.